Hey, I'm Alex. Hey, I'm Parv. And this is China Product. We are two Silicon Valley product managers, and we know how messy it can be. So we're here to talk about the ups and downs of being a PM. It's not always straightforward, but we're here to figure it out together. This time on China Product, we're going to be going through all the different mistakes that we've made and what we've learned from them. But yeah, I think as a PM, you're constantly making mistakes. You're constantly, essentially, learning from those mistakes, trying to be better, trying to improve all sorts of different attributes of being a PM, whether it's writing requirements, whether it's communicating with people. So I don't know, Parv. What are some mistakes that you've made over the years? Yeah, let's just say we f up a lot yeah. as PMs. It's not very ideal day to day, and it's not always wins. In fact, as many wins as you have, I feel like you also have like that I mean, many. We're trying to product. We're trying to product. We're, yeah, we're not. We're not producting. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. But yeah, I mean, we all make mistakes as a PM. Of course, since the start, like if I look back, there have been a couple of key ones that that I feel like I've made in the past, and then actually learned from a lot as a PM itself. I think one of the ones that I early on, which I realized. Was one of the things that I was doing wrong as a PM, and I think was something that I felt I learned from a lot was just communication. I think one of the big mistakes that I made was just under communicating as a PM. Yeah, absolutely. Especially like there's so many different stakeholders that you have. There's so many different people you have to communicate with. The reality is you're never like unless you're like sending out newsletters, you're constantly have like this massive group chat that、yeah. people are actually reading. It's almost impossible to even when you communicate as much as possible, you're still like under communicating. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest mistake I feel like I was making was that not just keeping everyone in the loop all the time, and I thought like why should I be bothering everyone with information all of this? The product's going along, the roadmap's there, the feature's getting built, like it's fine. I'll get,、mm-hmm. let them know at like important milestones. But I, as a PM, was not aware what a milestone for the other teams or other stakeholders might look like. Right? Like I went in with my perception of what those milestones are, and I would communicate out, but. More often than not, like there were moments in my first project where I realized that they had different expectations of when they wanted information in the sense of like what milestones they were considering, and even though I was achieving those milestones, like that was the sad part. Like I was hitting those milestones, I was actually making good progress. I just wasn't communicating it out at a frequency which would have worked for them. And so, like one of the big feedbacks that my manager got from some of the stakeholders, like, "Hey, I don't think Par was." Sharing information. I've actually gotten the exact same feedback on like <laughs> performance reviews. If that's what you're referencing, no, like maybe. Yeah, it's also hard because like you're often working with like group of like engineers,、yeah. designers, and like you're communicating with them. Maybe you're communicating with your manager, but especially for a lot of projects like you're talking about, like there's so many different milestones, there's so many other dependencies for, with all these other teams. And if you're not sending newsletters or not inviting them to meetings or like checkpoints and trying to make sure that they're aware, like it's hard for them to kind of make sure that they're tying in with your roadmap. Yeah, and it's hard, but it's also like it's really difficult, right? Like, there's so many people. Newsletters is something I've been trying recently. That's a and- new thing. I've not even heard of that. Like, when you said newsletters, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Newsletters. So, so, like, you know how, like, what's it called? You mean status reports? Ah,、uh, so status reports sound boring, right? If you call it a newsletter, it sounds <laughs> like, hey, like, that's a hot sh- tip. That's a hot tip. I'm gonna call. I think my team right now we're sending out six every six weeks. Like, we have six different newsletters for six different parts of our product. People aren't reading the newsletters. The people are on them, but they're still not reading them. So, like, I got like an escalation recently because even though I communicated with this person, they didn't read the newsletter. So, like, you can still communicate, 
but the metric is not like did you like communicate yeah it's like, did they read did they like consume the, that's the a hard one and that's something i'm still trying to figure out that's a hard one to move but i mean you know like that was one of the mistakes i think i was making early on and now that i learn about this newsletter concept i might just call all my status reports yeah. letters but yeah i think i felt like i wasn't under communicating a big learning for me was always make sure very frequently like even if you think it's the most simple mundane piece of information it could be a relatively high impacting piece of information for someone else so yeah. i think going back in always making sure you're communicating highlighting risks highlighting progress highlighting any data that comes up is just Honestly, over communicating is just better yeah. as a PM than under communicating. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's a tough lesson to learn, but it's so so vital, and it cannot yeah. be like understated enough. Like to your point, like there's no way to over communicate. Yeah, everything matters to somebody, especially like when you have like it depends on where you are in the web, in, like the app or website. But like you change one link, well, that one link is how this one group is getting all of their traffic. Yeah. And like now they're impacted, but from a percentage standpoint, maybe it's only like 0.1% of your traffic, but it's 100% of their traffic and all of their inbound. And so like if they didn't realize that you were going to change this, then you have a bunch of escalations, you have a bunch of issues that, yeah. that come. And I think I've actually uncovered quite a lot of dependencies just by sharing out a piece of information that I thought, you know, just heads up, like FII, this is something that's happening or this is something that's happened. And they're like, wait, but this impacts yeah. A, B, and C. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it happens every time like you're in these big meetings and uh, you're sharing out like you have these like product reviews or these like, yeah. wider audience kind of meetings and then someone kind of perks up and then they're like, hey, like I need to know what you're doing. Yeah. And that happens so often. And to your point, like if you're not communicating, you're going to have fewer incidents. Yeah, that's true. Of that. And it's always better to have it happen up front rather than on the back end yeah, after you've, that's you've changed <laughs> something important to that. So yeah, that's one of those mistakes or the mess ups that I've made earlier. But how about you? Anyone that stands out to you as a mistake you made early on? Yeah, thinking that like intuition actually convinced people. I think a lot of times we're in our own heads a lot as PMs. We're constantly thinking of like, oh, like people don't believe this. They actually believe this because of that. And you kind of convince yourself a lot of things. And then you try to convince other people and they're like, well, hold up. Do you have any data to back this up? Yeah. And like not having data and trying to go and convince people. Like, I mean, you learn this pretty quickly as a PM. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really hard to convince people without data. And even if you think that this is like spot on, if this is the right idea, like you've stress tested it in your mind a bunch, at the end of the day, you need some type of data, whether it's user research, whether it's Pew research or like any of these yeah, aggregators, surveys, yeah. like anything, like anything out in the market to like indicate, or you have to go gather that data. You have to go run your own survey, anything that you can fall back on to push the argument forward. Because what nobody wants is they want some PM to come and say like, I have this great idea. We're going to do this and it's going to change everything. They're like, okay, great. How? Like, yeah. where's this coming from? And, that, and I yeah. think the other side of that, right, is like you would be looking at data as a PM. You are looking at your metrics. You are trying to figure out, in addition to that intuition and gut, you're looking at that data. But it's also like not having the data when you're sharing out an idea. And I've done this before, but I've done the research. I've picked up the survey question. Then I have some of the feedback and data in, and I've used that to like come up with an idea. But when I go out presenting or talking about it with other stakeholders, like I share out like maybe parts of the data or maybe I've had moments where the data has been lacking or it's not the complete picture, but I've gone out and shared an idea. And I think that was a, one of those connected mistakes that I learned early on is doesn't need to be part of the main deck maybe or the main document, but appendix or somehow make sure you have that data with you as you present those ideas. Like a lot of the times, a really good story as you pitch your roadmap, initiative, product, it can really help having data as part of that narrative. I had this thinking early on, like if I a beautiful picture or like a beautiful story 
will take away from data and it's fine that's good enough but no like no, especially at the higher levels yeah you might be able to convince your team but part of the team might also just want to do something that's cool or sounds innovative but once you get to the higher levels there's nothing that will move yeah. without some type of data or other set of information to back it up and that's very true so like mistake not having data or not showing that data so yeah. please make sure and yeah i think sure. this is something you like learn pretty quickly as yeah. a pm because you don't get very far if you don't if you're that's not relying very true. on data yeah 100 percent. like it is not that easy to get by without a looking at data and then also sharing that data out widely with your team. Any other things that come to mind? I mean, kind of connected to that data piece is just having a good understanding of your product KPIs and KRs. So key performance indicators and then sort of a up level of that, your key results and objectives that you're trying to drive. As a PM, like having a strong understanding of all those elements, being completely aware of what those KPIs and KRs are, I think it goes a very long way in being able to have those conversations around trade-offs. I've made that mistake early on where I went into trade-off discussions, but wasn't using KPIs as a strong way to make those trade-offs. And I still sometimes end up making that mistake just because it's sometimes hard to gather that data and you have an intuition of what you should be doing. And everyone else is also on the same page of like, yeah, that should be what the case is. But when it comes down to hard trade-offs, I think those metrics can just really help go down one path or the other. Yeah. And I think especially like when you start trying to convince yourself of something, like you start shifting the metric. So like if the KPI doesn't line up, then you start looking at other kind of metrics, like maybe there's a brand impact or maybe there's PR or maybe there's a bad user experience. Like you try to start convincing yourself. But at the end of the day, like the only thing that matters is the North Star, is the KPI, is are the key results everyone aligned on. And so like when you start trying to convince yourself, then you kind of go down this path where you're like, you've convinced yourself that this is a good story and these metrics matter. But then when you bring it in front of the crowd, they're like, well, we already aligned on these metrics. I understand like what you're saying, but like it doesn't line up. And then it's like you could have the data, but it's the wrong data. That's a good point, right? Like you've aligned on a set of KPIs, let's say for the quarter, and you've aligned on like what you want to focus on. And while the idea you have is backed by sound data, you know it will make a dent in another ancillary or secondary metric that might be important. But if it's not aligning with your KPI, then that's how you'd make those trade-offs because there's always going to be more than you can do. There's always going to be like an idea, a backlog of like six projects while you can only do two. And having that alignment, which is another thing I think we should talk about is like just that alignment on KPIs and KRs and having that early on. But once you have that alignment, you come down to that trade-off discussion. Is it going to move the KPIs that you have in mind and are aligned on? If not, we just don't do it. I find myself, especially leaning on other metrics, like when I want to do something. Like, <laughs> and I think this is something like, is like an easy trap to fall into. Like, yeah. you like, this project is so cool. You can do this crazy thing. Say a like crypto thing. Like, you want to go do like crypto coin mining, like with your hardware thing. Like, hey, like team, like, can we integrate this into the firmware so every user gets some coins for just using our product? It sounds really nice. There's like some interesting metrics that you can kind of convince yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. of. You can show impact. You can show impact, but at the end of the day, it doesn't line up with what everybody agreed on and like the alignment. And so I think it's an easy trap to fall into where you like convince yourself that you're going to move some type of metric, but it's not the metric that actually matters here. And I think that's where sometimes that impact is good enough that even though you didn't think about those KPIs early on, but in this new pivot, in this new strategy, you've seen like, okay, we might not impact those KPIs but they'll impact the other set of KPIs and maybe that is more impactful. But again, it should all bubble up and tie into the high level KR or not start metric. You can't just go out and say, it's going to make an impact. Yes, we agree. It's going to move these KPIs. It's going to impact the higher level KR. Maybe not. But if it does, then that's a great way of 
coming up with something that is came up mid quarter. No one talked about it six weeks ago, but it just came up. And you have the right data. You can show that it's going to have the right impact. That's how you convince them. I mean, roadmaps are not set in stone, and that's the exact reason why. Because sometimes ideas pop up from different inputs, and you have to line it to the right KPI and KR. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. That's also another thing is like thinking roadmaps are locked. I definitely made that mistake where I was like, well, we can't do this because of that. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. The only thing that matters is moving our metrics. If this is going to move the metric, we should do this. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. It's a mistake I've made myself. Is like, I talked about the roadmap. I spent a lot of time in the roadmap. And then it's like, okay, this is set in stone. This is what we're going to do. But things are moving. Things are fluid. You never know when things change in this environment. And you have to be able to adapt. So thinking that roadmaps are locked is I think one of those mistakes that yeah. I made. Yeah, no, it's such a great one that you called out. I'm really happy that you brought that one up. Yeah, I think it's also something like, especially early in your career, people tell you these rules. People say like the roadmap is now locked. Like they say all these platitudes, but as you get more into it, you realize everything is flexible. Everything is flexible because if something is solid, you can never like adapt. So like if someone comes up with a new idea halfway through the quarter, like are you just going to like not pounce on that? You're going to let this opportunity slip by or you're going to like move the company to move the North Star metrics? Yeah, exactly. The only thing that matters at the end of the day is to like hit those metrics, is to like move the company forward, increase revenue, increase whatever the North Star is. Yeah. And if you have to change the roadmap, that shouldn't be a limiting factor. Right? Yeah. And that's where going back to an earlier point is you should know your KPIs and KRs. And if things change, as long as they align well, having that data, showing that data, showing that it aligns well with the KPI, that's what helps you make those trade-offs easily. Like you can come in with an idea completely out of left field, but making sure that it aligns well to the metrics, that's what gives you the power to go in and say, you know what, we should trade this off against this because this has an X percent extra impact on what we're trying to do anyways. So yeah, I think that's a great one that we should talk about. What else comes to mind? Like any other mistakes? I, don't, I mean, uh, yeah, I think, we've made mistakes. So Oh, wait, wait, we've made thousands of mistakes. <laughs> yeah. so I think we have no shortage here. I think another one that kind of going to like what we were just talking about where essentially if you don't know your product inside and out, if you don't understand every lever you can pull, every way to hit those metrics, when you have these ideas, you, you sometimes don't understand what the potential impact is. So a lot of times, especially when you first onboard to a project or a whole new product that you're trying to shift metrics on, you don't know all the levers you can pull. So I think in e-commerce is like a good example of this is like you typically have like ads. You can drive traffic with ads. You can drive traffic with email. But nowadays, you can also drive traffic with SMS. You can also drive traffic with SEO. So if you can increase your inbound traffic. So you have all these different levers. And essentially, understanding that inside and out allows you to understand how to hit the North Star metric. Problem is that if you don't know your product, you don't know what levers you have, you don't know that you have SEO, you don't know that you have all these things, then you're essentially like fighting with two hands behind your back. You don't understand the product. You understand how it shifts metrics. You don't understand so much. I think that was especially early on. That was like a, a mistake that I learned. The more that I can learn, the better I can understand my product, the better I can understand the website, the better I can understand the levers, and the more kind of flexibility I have to understand like how to hit those metrics. I don't know. Did you have some kind of similar experience? Yeah, I think I did in a way that coming into a PM position, right? Early on, sometimes you're not, of course, jumping into the whole product. You're jumping in a very specific area of a product. So it's like, I think it's at both levels. One is being aware of that space that you're in or that specific feature that you're in, let's say, for example, you are jumping onto an e-commerce website and your focus is on, let's say, top of the funnel versus bottom of the funnel conversion. So knowing that space inside out within the product, like what is top of the funnel, like what all elements, being completely aware of that, that's a strong piece. Second, 
double click is if you know the broader product even better, that's again, so much valuable information because sometimes that helps you uncover like dependencies or figuring out trade-offs where you might know, okay, even for your feature, there might be spaces outside of that purview that are actually more highly impactful than what you've been thinking. So it's both like double click of the thing that you're working on, the broader product that you're working on. And then I think I remember once where I, early on, I was focused on a very specific feature within a product and I played around with that feature and I like went through like a lot of competitors and I did get to know that feature inside out. Like I could understand like how others are doing it, how it's working, but I did not spend enough time actually trying out other aspects of the product. I was so gung-ho and so focused on my specific piece that there were facets of the product or the app, which I didn't even touch upon. In one of my later conversations, I realized like another PM on the other side of the app was doing something that actually helped move my metric quite a lot or helped my product quite a lot, which is pretty cool. So yeah, I think knowing your product inside out can be really helpful and is something that you should take time, focus on, learn on because you're going to get questions. Uh, yeah, you get tons of questions. I think another thing is like, if you're talking about things where there are competitors out there where you can look, other people have a lot of knowledge and domain knowledge around that. But a lot of times like with internal products, essentially if you're making like an internal tool, nobody knows that except for really the PM, the engineers, and like essentially that product team. So when people come and ask you questions, if you have to go talk to the engineers every time, like slowly you're acquiring this knowledge, but the quicker you can talk to all the engineers, especially when you're onboarding and like learning inside and out, you become the subject matter expert for the entire product. So you can essentially answer any question. You understand the flow of information through the systems. You've talked to the back end, the front end, like every single person involved. Because essentially, if you don't understand the product, there's nobody who's going to have that knowledge, especially yeah. for these internal tools that essentially every big company loves to make. If you're the PM, you should hold as much of the information as possible so you can answer those questions and you understand, to your point, like how to pull the levers. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And it's hard. It's a hard one to know your product inside out. It means taking time out of your day-to-day -to, -day to actually like poke around, learn, like break the product. Like essentially, I feel like, you know, going in, you should just put on your QA hat and take the product and just try and destroy it as much as you can and figure out what is happening, why. So I think that's a good one for sure. What else? I mean, I'm going to think of like, I mean, again, there are like a lot of other ones. I don't know if I want to talk about all of those mistakes, yeah. but I mean, the big ones that we have done, I think those have been a big one. And the one thing that I, you know, going into PM for my first job, of course, like out of school, I'm a PM. It felt nice. I was like, so much I can do. I'm a product manager. And I think one of the first mistakes, which again, I learned early on and I realized is not the right thing <laughs> to do is like, just because you're a PM doesn't mean that everyone's listening to you all the time. You don't have that authority kind of thing that we've talked about in the past. Like I remember going in first draw, I was like, oh, I'm a PM. Of course they should listen to me. Like I have all the information. Why are you not listening to me? And I think that was a very, very big mistake that now I make sure that, you know, no, I think it's common. Like I definitely did the same thing. Like essentially like you're the PM, you're like quote unquote put in charge of this team and this product. Yeah, even my first job, like I was like, okay, like, essentially is my team they're working like for me and like, you know Which is wrong. Yeah. Which is a completely yeah. completely wrong. They don't work for you. They like essentially do what they want and you try to convince them. It's working with you. Like yeah, it's, exactly. You're all in it together. There's no hierarchy. But at the end of the day, like if an engineer wants to go do this thing, as a PM, there's nothing you can do to stop yeah. them. Yeah, like yeah. you're trying to essentially create a cohesive argument, sell it to the team, get the team's buy-in, and then shepherd them through to the completion. Yeah. But thinking that they work for you or they're your direct reports is completely, I think it's like definitely something I did as well. And it's an easy kind of trap to fall into, but just like, 
nothing good is going to come out of that. Yeah, it's like that. I don't know if you've seen that meme and like it's Batman and Robin and Batman's like, as a PM, I want. And and then like, it's that's not a user story. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, that's, it's a fair mistake to make. I think coming in with uh, being a PM for the first time. Yeah, sometimes it can feel like, oh, as a PM, I think this should be happening. But that's not always the case. It's not as a PM, I want this to happen, so make it happen. It's you are in charge of a lot of things in the sense of bringing the argument, bringing all the data together, bringing all the arguments together and sharing that with the team. You cannot expect them to just listen to you without any pushback or any sort of buy-in. Yeah, especially like this narrative around being the CEO of the product. Like I think a lot of folks kind of got caught up into product and like brought in that way. And it's just a very difficult shed. And it's something that you have to shed as quickly as possible because yeah. like it's only going to hurt your relationship with the team. It's going to make you frustrated because you can't just like tell them like, please make this feature. You have to sell it, make this argument. And if you're the quote unquote CEO, like you should be able to just tell them to make the feature, right? But you're not the CEO. That's why we push back against this narrative yeah. all the time because it's just fundamentally false. Essentially, you are this kind of more of a shepherd guiding a herd to make this product and, and go and like land in some destination. Yeah, I mean, you are part of the team. Everyone's part of the team. As I said, like there's no hierarchy in this, but yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a tough thing to learn, but something that's super, super critical. And I think a lot of these kind of mistakes that we've made, I think every PM, there's a thousand mistakes that we've made over the years. And I think a lot of these are things that you make early and you kind of correct quickly. So I think like communicating, under communicating, over communicating is never a bad thing. Making sure that you have the data you need to make an argument. And then also essentially knowing your KPIs, knowing your product inside out, everything kind of ladders up and you make these mistakes early in your career, but I think you, you fix it up pretty quickly. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, a lot of mistakes made, a lot of mistakes will be made, but I think one of the biggest things as a PM is, you know, and I think it's everything is just learning from those mistakes. But yeah, so mistakes will be made. We will learn from them and it's part of the job. It's going to be part of the role. So again, if you're listening to this, you know, as we say, it's okay to make mistakes learn from them. We've all made them. Being a PM is inherently part of the role is making mistakes. So I know we've talked about some of the ones we've made. We'd love to know if there are any that you've made. Please do share. It just helps everyone feel like we're part of a group. But yeah, make mistakes. That's all good. Learn from them and keep moving. Put in those reps. 